Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Day and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, first podcast of the new year. Wow, unbelievable stuff, I know. Uh, we are jumping straight back in to the NRL 2024 season preview series uh, and essentially the concept club by club. So standalone podcasts, going to look at everything from the coach, gains and losses, full squad, train and trial players. We'll be looking at the X-Hector player. There's a bit to do today. Manly Sea Eagles, that is what is on the agenda uh, for today's podcast. Everything Manly, uh, as I just mentioned. And at the very end, uh, I'll make my ladder prediction. Uh, ladder prediction, very much secondary to the preview aspect of this podcast. Um, basically just, you know, having a shot in the dark. I, I Basically, it's what we think is going to happen, or what I think is going to happen, but... I've been proven wrong before. I had Cowboys finishing second last uh, a couple of years ago when I did this series, and they finished in the top four. So it's very much secondary today, mainly about the preview, but I will have a ladder prediction at the end. And if you enjoy today's podcast, best way to stay up to date with not just a sports report is to either follow us on your preferred streaming platform, or you can simply follow us over on Instagram at not just a sports report now for the first time in 2024 let's get amongst it the manly sea eagles nrl season preview all right we're going to start uh, quickly looking back at the season just gone 2023 anthony seabold's first year in charge of the Manly Sea Eagles after they parted ways with Des Hasler. 12th placed finish, which is well below the standard of where Manly should have finished. And look, while Seabold inherited a quality roster, you can't really judge whether it's the right call to have made him head coach uh, just off of one season, his first uh, as coach of the Sea Eagles. Now, the pressure is going to lift to another gear in his second year, uh, but 12th place. Again, Manly missed the eight. Uh, they lost Kieran Foran. There was the push from Josh Schuster and his agent that Schuster was ready to play that 5 8 position. And I don't think there was anything wrong uh, with the club actually backing him in. They were kind of looking at their long-term future. But already, within a year of that, it's been scrapped. They've brought Luke Brooks in. Schuster going to move back to the edge. Uh, and they lost Kieran Foran because of it. Now, do we think Manly finish a bit higher than 12th place if they have Foran and Cherry Evans in the halves uh, last year? Food for thought. So there was the half situation. Uh, you had Tom Trebojevic getting injured again. Uh, very unfortunate during the Origin series. Uh, so that, unfortunately, is always going to be a talking point around Manly's season. 
It just can't be any other way, purely because of how fucking talented and how much he means to the side Tom Trebojevic is. Uh, so he gets injured. Look, they were strong in the final rounds. Tolu Kola, a bit of a revelation at fullback. Uh, Cherry Evans was carving up. Jason Saab was starting to hit his straps. Uh, but 12th place finish for a team with some world-class players, well below standard. And what is interesting is that their top-end players who are taking up a large portion of the salary cap, they are without a doubt their best players. But then, because of that heavy investment, does the rest of the squad suffer? 2024 season is just around the corner, so now we're going to look ahead. No use rewinding, looking at what's just happened. It's all about 2024, the year that we are now in. Uh, now, I'm going to look through a few things here. But firstly, for Manly in this coming season, top eight is the goal, bare minimum. This is a team, I think, uh, that should be looking at a spot in the top four. But bare minimum, the pass mark has to be finals. And if they do not make finals, then all of a sudden, there are going to be a lot of criticisms, uh, not just around the coach, but recruitment, all sorts of things, salary cap. So big season coming up for Manly. We'll start with the captain, Daly Cherry Evans, a very respected leader, not just at Manly, but also representative level. He does it all, everything you need your halfback to do. I believe a lot of the young halfbacks coming through the grades right now would be watching tape of a guy like Cherry Evans because he just does it all. He's got the organization, really strong runner of the footy. I've got the kicking game, which is a staple for a modern day halfback. Uh, and the leadership style for Cherry Evans, he's had a lot of time to work on it. Queensland Maroons captain as well, uh, and great verbal communicator. Been a captain uh, for quite some time now, and what I love about DCE is that his actions speak louder than his words. This isn't a captain uh, who, when they're giving you a spray after the opposition has scored a try, you're not really listening because they don't aim up themselves. Cherry Evans kills it, week in, week out for Manly, and still somehow they finish 12th. What I also love about DCE, he makes the right decision 99 times out of 100, so very safe. There's definitely no problem there. And when you look across the NRL, the number seven jersey, as important as any when it comes to chasing a premiership, something Daly will be looking to do uh, and gain his first premiership since his debut season in 2011. Unfortunately, that was at the expense of my beloved Warriors. But Daly, he's the captain for 2024. Uh, as far as what challenges he faces, there are going to be a few throughout the season. Origin is always a challenge uh, to back up from what is going to be a hectic series. And just manly in general. It always seems to be a challenge to lead this side. So for Daly, uh, what works for him is that he has the experience. He is no stranger to having to lead a side. And if you look at what he's done with the Queensland Maroons, there is no reason as to why Daly couldn't lead a very star-studded team to Premiership glory in this coming season.
Alongside Cherry Evans as one of the most important players for the Sea Eagles, you have Jake Trebojevic, uh, who may not be the captain, but is very much a leader and equally as influential as the captain himself. Jake is one of the game's premier defensive players, and we saw during the 2023 season just how badly Manly suffer when Jake is not on the park. He's another one whose actions speak far louder than his words, uh, and he just goes and goes and goes. He's one of those guys, if you play alongside, like you would feel shit if you let down Jake Trebojevic, because you know on the field, he's never going to let you down. So as far as the year ahead for Trebojevic, uh, I think it's a huge year in general in the middle of the park for the Sea Eagles. Uh, a lot of talk about whether maybe they're just one fry short of a Happy Meal as far as their front row. Now Trebojevic, we've seen play 13. We've also seen him in the front row. Uh, I wonder whether he plays 13 or whether Sea Eagles look to really, you know, implement that modern day 13, a Cam Murray Victor Radley, Isaiah Yo style, uh, and just play Jake up front. He gets through a ton of minutes, uh, and I think it's crucial, much like with his brother Tom, that Manly keep Jake on the park for as much of the season as they possibly can. And that leads me to my X-Factor player for the Manly Sea Eagles. Uh, now, I did this series in the 2021 preseason going into the 22 season, he was my X-Factor player then. He's my X-Factor player now. I think he's everyone's X-Factor player when it comes to Manly. That would be Turbo, Tom Trebojevic. You think about all the freakish things this guy can do when he is on the park. There's not one, but three Trebojeviches in this squad. Uh, and when you look at Manly, it is very clear who their X-Factor is and who that player, alongside someone like Cherry Evans, who that player is uh, that can take them to a premiership. Tom Trebojevic, very much that guy. The issue has been the injuries. And we all love Tommy Turbo. I don't think I've met someone who has anything bad to say about him. So it sucks. It's like the Kellen Ponga situation. We don't want to see these exciting players sidelined. And when they are sidelined, there is so much stuff that as a fan we don't get to see and we just are oblivious to. Like when guys are on the sidelines and not playing week in, week out, we don't think about them. Like they just have to rehab. A lot of the time it's a very lonely road back. And for someone like Tom Trebojevic, being the superstar that he is, being in a team that relies so heavily on his impact, to have to go through that toll and struggle again and again of that lonely road through rehab to get his body right, only again and again uh, to have to suffer through it. So it has been a really tough time for Tom Trebojevic. He's tried everything. There's going to be a lot of talking points around maybe a positional change if he is to get injured again. But looking ahead, I'm not going to talk about uh, his injuries for 2024 because like, I'm fucking hoping there are none that he can get through the full season. Uh, but I did go back and have a look uh, at just, like, the injury history and kind of what his run has been like for Manly. 
Now, he had a breakout second season in the NRL, played 23 games in 2016. So strung a massive season together. Uh, Then on the back of that, 2017, he plays 22 games. So again, uh, pretty high numbers, although he does suffer a medial ligament tear in 2017. Then we fast forward to 2019. In round four, Turbo gets a hamstring injury. Uh, That would be times two in the year 2019. So he got two hamstring injuries, also a pectoral injury. Managed 12 games, so much lower than those seasons before. But I think the most glaring number that speaks to just how much Manly need him, in the 12 games he played in 2019, Seagulls won 10 of those. So, yeah, the numbers speak for themselves. We fast forward then to 2020, uh, the COVID season. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, he's leading the Delhi M count, then in round six, hamstring injury. Uh, and for a while, when it uh, was specifically speaking about Tom Turbo's injuries, hamstring was the real big one because he's had a few of them. Gets injured round six, 2020. 13 weeks out. So again, like I said, that lonely road just to get back uh, to playing first grade. He returns in round 19 and immediately picks up a shoulder injury. 2021, uh, there's the hamstring injury. Bit of a race, bit of a running race. He said he slipped in the shower. I believe him. Uh, I haven't slipped in the shower for ages, but I always, it's always on my mind and sometimes... I come close because my feet are slippery. So I give Tom the benefit of the doubt there. I'll say he did slip over in the shower. Uh, But a hamstring injury during the preseason. Then the chat starts to go off its head about these injuries. Tommy comes back, produces one of the great seasons I've ever seen in my lifetime, wins the Dallium, wins the Wally Lewis medal, scores 28 tries for Manly in 18 games. He's scoring doubles, he's scoring hat-tricks. On some occasions, he's scoring four tries. Just ripping teams apart, especially, you know, your bulldogs of the world. He's putting Saab over for for tries like Manly are just thriving. When Tom Trebojevic is on the field, like this is a different Seagulls outfit that are actually very relevant to the Premiership conversation. So let me just flip my notes over. So Dallium season, 2021. Uh, Then we go into 2022. He gets up to round 11, uh, then a dislocated shoulder out for the season. Uh, Coming off that Dallium year, uh, just by note as well, 2022, the season where Manly did not make the eight. Des has this last year there. Uh, Obviously there was the Pride jersey fiasco, which we're not gonna talk about today. Uh, which did have an impact, but they left themselves in a position at that point where they were already uh, facing an uphill battle to make the eight. So 2022, up to round 11, then Turbo's out. Uh, 2023, he makes it up to Origin 2, then gets injured out for the season. So the impact is very clear, not just the impact this makes on the team, but the impact on Tom Trebojevic himself. Like, it's not something 
I have any life experience of dealing with, like going through multiple hamstring injuries. I mean, I've never won a Delhi M either. So I think it's those two things married together, the amount of injuries, but also the amount of pure talent. We want to see him out there, but most of all as fans, we want to see him healthy, healthy and doing well, you know, in, from a mental perspective. Uh, before the f football side, because it is only a game of rugby league, but it is coming close to that point, isn't it, where it's just a lot of injuries. But when he gets his body right, like, fuck, the last time he did, he won a Delhi M, and we saw how Manly played. You look at the team now, it could be a better team. A lot of them have developed, like Hamali Olakawatu, a much better player. You add Luke Brooks into this mix, Manly are so hard to figure out because they could finish in the top four or they could finish, I mean, just above the bottom four. I don't see them as a bottom four team, even if a lot of things go poorly. But gee whiz, like there's so much there. I'm glad I'm not a Manly fan because, yeah, it would be rough right now because you'd know you're within a sniff of the premiership if you keep your best 17 healthy. So as far as the impact on player and team, it is gargantuan. You've also got the salary cap factor, which unfortunately, that does get brought into the conversation, even though Tom Trebojevich worth every single penny. Uh, but yeah, the salary cap factor, like this unfortunately is the biggest talking point around Manly. Not just this season, it's been like this for a number of years now. So if he gets injured, do they go with the cautionary reaction and start to play him in the centers? Uh, just get a lot more miles off his clock. Or do they stick with it? Because Tom Trebojevic, one of the best fullbacks we have seen in the modern era, and we have seen some fullbacks in the modern era. Even a guy like Brett the Snake Stewart for Manly. So we have seen some fullbacks and Tom Trebojevic he is up there on his day with any of them. The only problem has been the sample size. You know, a lot of these fullbacks uh, who we speak about as the greats of the modern day got through a lot of work, got through over at least 200 first grade games. So Tom, he's up there when he's in full flight. The most important narrative around Manly's season is to get Tom Trebojevic and whether Manly can get Trebojevic back to full flight. He's got the game-changing abilities. Manly, the supporting cast around him, they have got quite the squad. There's only one Tom Trebojevic. He can score tries for fun. He pops up all over the park, very strong, very fast, uh, has almost the perfect frame for a modern-day fullback. Uh, very physically, I don't know, I can't speak English now, Physical stature is what comes to mind. You know, he's a lot, a lot bigger than what we've come to know fullbacks as. Usually, you expect to rough up the fullback. But we've seen Trebojevic never shies away from the tough stuff, taking carries out of his own end. Uh, he's always working throughout the game. And it's not just producing try assists, scoring tries, uh, and doing all this magical shit. A lot of it is his effort areas uh, that a lot of the time go unspoken. 
He's also got the ball playing uh, as far as what you need in a modern day fullback. He's got everything and more. We saw that in 2021. As far as 24 and the season ahead, I think the goal should be 20 plus games. Work toward that even if from time to time you give him a spell for a week. So I think that should be the goal. If you can get through 20 plus games, you would have to say Manly a great shot at playing finals football once again. He's got attacking combinations coming out the wazoo. Uh, like I said, you throw Brooks in there. Uh, and especially when it comes to that right side of the park with DC, Haumoleola Kawatu, Tolu Kola, and Jason Saab. You throw Tom Trebojevic out on that right side sweeping, good luck dealing with that. Even when you go out to the left side, you've got a guy most likely like Ruben Garrick on the wing. If Josh Schuster can get back to his best on the left, like no matter where Trebojevic is roving, there are some very exciting combinations. So as far as my X-Factor player for Manly, 2024, it remains Tom Trebojevic. Uh, now Manly, I'm just looking at my notes on paper, they're a top four side if all goes to plan. They've got Luke Brooks combining with Daily Cherry Evans, so the halves are sorted. Uh, Lachlan Croker, very clearly their dummy half. You've also got Gordon Chankum Tong, very promising player. Uh, plenty of backline strike. The ultimate recipe for the key ingredient remains Tom Trebojevic. His form, his fitness, undoubtedly the biggest focus for the year ahead. Uh, and I think it does make a difference as well with team morale and Manly's confidence. When he's out there, Manly, they are world beaters. They are ready to take on anyone. When he's not out there, very different story. Same goes for his brother, Jake Trebojevic, who is also so important to the side. Lastly, on Tom Trebojevic, if he does get injured, well, they have a great selection headache. Two very quality options, Tolu Kola, or Ruben Garrick. Uh, now for the last few seasons, Ruben Garrick has very clearly been that next man up. But what we saw at the back end of last season, Tolu Kola there, he's running for over 300 meters. He is looking unbelievable. Is it time, given the whole Tom Trebojevic situation, where they unleash Tolu Kola? If Tobo goes down, next man up, Tolu Kola to fullback. If he is able to keep up the form that he finished last year in. Fuck. Like all of a sudden, even if Turbo's out for four to six weeks, it's not as big a talking point because they have such a great option there in Tolu Kola. Uh, one thing worth noting, I'm pretty sure his standout appearances at fullback were against teams like Bulldogs and Tigers. Take nothing away from Tolu Kola. Uh, as you can tell, I am very excited about the proposition of him at fullback, but it will, you know, go up another gear uh, if he is to play fullback against, you know, the Panthers and teams like that. But it's a pretty good problem to have. All goes well, Tom Trebojevic. Boom, bam, thank you, ma'am. You just hang your hat on that. Uh, but if Turbo is out, and with the history I've mentioned, let's say he's out for at least a little bit, Tolu Kola. Or Ruben Garrick. Which way do they go? Our final comments on why Tom Trebojevic is the X-Factor player. 
Well, I don't really have any final comments. I think go watch his highlights. And anyone who's already watched Tom Trebojevich, like it doesn't need to be articulated. He is X Factor personified, the biggest key keeping him on the park. Well, we're on the topic of uh, star players for Manly that they really need on the park. Halmole, Ole Kawatu. One thing worth noting as well, Captain Cherry Evans, Jake Trebojevic, Tom Trebojevic, and Halmole. I can't say his name now. Halmole. Molly, Molly, Mol. Austin Powers coming to mind. Sorry, Halmole. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, all the players I've just mentioned who are essentially the staples of the side, the absolute superstars, all came through Manly's system. They didn't buy any of these guys. So what I don't mind, whilst these guys getting paid quite a bit of coin, they haven't purchased these guys from other teams. They're just trying to keep these fucking awesome guys. So yeah, it does get some criticism, the way Manly kind of balance their salary cap. But I like it purely because, yeah, they're not going out and paying fucking a million dollars to bring a guy in. But they are bringing a few guys in now. But Helmole, he is a homegrown star, a rampaging force. Uh, when you think about what he can do and what he already has done on that right edge for Manly, just so destructive. Very hard to handle, especially when you get him running up against a smaller half. And when you look at the machine that is the Sea Eagles, Helmole, a vital cog. I've mentioned the right edge already, uh, but it's juicy. It is so juicy. You have Trebojevic sweeping out the back of the Tom nature. You also have Cherry Evans, Halmole, which that combination already, I mean, that has buttered our bread many times uh, as rugby league fans. You have Tolu Kola, who I've spoken about, an absolute highlight player, very speedy out on that right edge. And Jason Saab, you want to talk about very speedy. Holy dooly. Jason Saab. So that right edge, definitely a highlight. I'm one of the stars of it, Helmole Olakawatu. He's no stranger to a meat pie either. You talk about an edge back rower, his numbers very impressive. 29 tries in 73 appearances. That's as a second rower. In the last couple of years, he has been on the cusp of origin, especially the 2023 season. There's so much that can go right, and there's so much that can go wrong for Manly. But if all things are going right, you would have to say how Mole makes his origin debut this year. Massive 2024 season incoming, and he has also got a sweet bump up in pay, which I think he deserves. Some people want to talk about the figures, uh, but we got to remember the salary cap is going up. So these figures, not as large as they once were, despite, you know, Helmoli gets paid a fuck ton more than I do. I'm not salty about it. Why can't we be happy? This world revolves so much around money. None of us asked for it. I didn't ask for that. Helmoli didn't ask for that. Essentially, to get through life and survive, and if you're really lucky, thrive, you gotta fucking have some money. Unfortunately, this is the system we're in, so... I'm stoked for him. He's got the big contract extension. I don't think he would have been on heaps of money before. I could be wrong. Uh, but emerging, like, 
he was just a junior of theirs. He was a great young player. But it, he kind of just, in the last few years, went to that next level where he was no longer just a player within their system. He was a superstar player. So I think it's very well justified. Contract extension, six years added till the end of 2021. What oh, fuck? Yep, finished uh, three years ago. Gee whiz. Uh, end of 2031. So some people will want to be critical if that deal six years is a long time to sign a back rower, but this isn't just any back rower. This is Hamoli Olikawatu, and he's young. So six years? Fuck it, it saves them. Say they sign him for three years, and he gets even better. It saves them from getting into some insane bidding war, especially if by then another team has entered the competition. So I like it. Six years added, why not? Uh, now, they do have heavy salary cap investments, do the Sea Eagles. I've mentioned it a number of times. Tom Trebojevic, Daily Cherry Evans, now Halmole. But fuck it, three's better than one, right? Because, yeah, in the past, if it's just Daily Cherry Evans and he goes down, then it hurts the team more. Like, to have three guys of that caliber, three plus, like, there are some great players within this team. It's not a bad situation to have. Not the worst way you can manage your salary cap. Uh, but on the other end of that, it does definitely weaken some area of your roster. It just simply has to. So we'll see how all of these uh, investments go. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. And I keep mentioning it. The biggest thing for me with Manly is that at full strength and top form, they are genuine premiership contenders. But what happens if injury strikes? What happens if some of these situations go a bit awry? Uh, like, let me think, like a Josh Schuster situation or the Luke Brooks signing uh, kind of falls over. There are a few things with Manly that can go wrong here, but fuck, there's a lot to like. So if injury strikes, I've mentioned fullback, they have some good options. The halves is an interesting one, and I'll get to the depth a bit later in the podcast. Uh, but just quickly back to Halmoli, ahead of the 2024 season. Now on big money, there's going to be big pressure. It's time to level up. Which, to his credit, he has been leveling up. That's why he got this contract extension. Uh, but now, with extra money comes extra responsibility. And I'm not going to be one of the ones, you know, if he has, say, four or five average games in a row. I'm not going to be the one being like, oh, they're paying him this much, he should be fucking doing X, Y, and Z. Uh, but there are going to be many people who are saying that kind of stuff. So there's going to be added pressure. He turns now from a young star into a marquee superstar. And with that added responsibility, he now finds himself as one of the leaders of this Ford pack. So massive year coming up. Looking at his career trajectory, like everything would suggest, he's ready to take that next step. Uh, so fuck yeah, as far as Helmole Olakowatu. But now, let's keep the podcast moving. On to some more of the talking points ahead of the Sea Eagles season. I will get to the gains and losses for the team a bit later. But one of the gains, in particular, is a massive talking point. Luke 
Brooks. Crosses over from the Tigers, uh, obviously a very checkered history there. Hard club in recent times uh, to have success at. But though tide turning, Jerome Luai confirmed to the Tigers. Uh, but Luke Brooks, for the longest time, he really had to shoulder that criticism that the Tigers as a whole should have been getting. Uh, so for the young player who's now become a seasoned player, yet to taste final success, the time for both the Tigers and Luke Brooks, it was well overdue for them to go their separate ways. Brooks comes over to a very promising team, now switches to 5-8. So Daly Cherry Evans has all the halfback duties covered. Brooks can focus on his biggest strength, his running game. When Luke Brooks is running the football, that is when he is at his most dangerous. And from years of playing in that number seven jersey, he'll be more than ready to play six alongside Cherry Evans. So the signing, it is a big talking point. But now, you have quite a quality halves pairing, which is a great start to complement your fullback and really make a premiership charge. The question with Luke Brooks, will Brooksy finally get to taste finals football in 2024? I'd love to see it. You never want to see a man down for too long. And Luke Brooks, like, it was really the Tigers that were the fucking shit show not Luke Brooks, and he may have been the biggest victim of the Tigers' decade of just misery. So Luke Brooks, I think it's about time he gets a change, a change as good as a holiday. And to be honest, Brooksy is just one member of Anthony Seabold's redemption crew. A lot of guys uh, who look, there's been plenty of things said about them that are less than positive, not by me, but plenty of things said about them, the Redemption Crew. Anthony Siebold, I don't know if I have ever seen a coaching tenure as brutal and hard to watch and hard to handle than Anthony Siebold's time at the Brisbane Broncos. So he himself, in landing this job, is in his redemption era. Then you look at a guy like Luke Brooks for the longest time, wearing the burden of the Tigers being so wildly unsuccessful, he now heads to Manly looking for the ultimate redemption and finals football appearance. You have Matthew Lodge, a man no stranger to redemption. Uh, he has floated around a few clubs now. He will be injured for quite some time, but I'm throwing him in uh, Seabold's redemption crew. Jackson Paolo, a young player with plenty of promise, He's in the redemption crew as well. And Jake Arthur, someone again who unfairly, you could say, a lot of people with negative things to say. So Anthony Seabold is building up a bit of a crew here of guys really hungry to own their spot in first grade. And Luke Brooks, as far as additions, definitely the biggest talking point. There's a lot that could go right. Luke Brooks alongside Daily Cherry Evans. So... I really like the move. Uh, we will have to see, though, how it works out in the coming season. Another talking point. The man that we thought... Excuse my notes. I think there's a bit of a page rip here. Uh, I'm going to shuffle my notes. Sorry. Sorry about it. Uh, Josh Schuster. He was the one that we thought was going to be the sixth long-term. 
Now they've brought over Luke Brooks. Uh, Schuster coming off his last season left a bit to be desired. I don't mean to be critical because I'm lazy as shit. So, you know, this is a professional athlete. Josh Schuster works harder every day of his life than I do. So I don't want to be too critical, but he is coming off a really poor season. Uh, he wasn't able to cement that sixth jersey. Now he goes out to the back row, which could honestly be his best position. That is where he has played his best football for Manly. Uh, and I think at the very least, it'll get him back, back up and running and into form. And then later down the track, they can reassess the halves situation. But after just one year, the halves switch has been canned. He's gone back out to the back row. Uh, and there was at one point talks that the Tigers were trying to get him, but he re-signed with Manly. So another talking point in this coming season, most definitely Josh Schuster. Uh, and with no foreign this time around on the left edge, uh, he's going to have a combination with the man I just spoke about, Luke Brooks. Uh, so if both of them fire, like gee whiz, they could be playing the best football of their career. Uh, but unfortunately for them, they're just those kind of players with the media and certain uh, a loud minority of fans who are going to get targeted if Manly are not in great form. So it's a big year for both Luke Brooks and Josh Schuster. Uh, they will be combining on the left edge. I actually think, I think we're going to see some really great things from them this year. Uh, question mark I've got here in my notes. What version of Josh Schuster will we get in 2024? Hopefully the best. That uh, is both Anthony Siebold's job and Josh Schuster himself. He's an origin candidate when he's playing his best football, especially with his versatility. Uh, but at the opposite end of that spectrum, if he's not playing his best footy, if he's playing closer uh, to his worst footy, you could say, he could find himself in reserve grade. Uh, but I think Manly... Last year, they tried to get Kelma Tuolangi across. It didn't quite work out. The left back row position, not one that any player has locked in. But Josh Schuster, uh, this is a massive year for him. I don't believe it's make or break quite yet. Uh, but nonetheless, like he's going to be expected to come out firing. So that's another significant player in the salary cap and in the roster as a whole. But again... He came through the Sea Eagle system. He's only a young fella. It's a long-term investment. Uh, and again, whilst they might be heavy-ended in their cap, each one of those players came through the Manly Sea Eagles ranks. So we shall remember that. Uh, moving on, let me just have a squiz at my notes in Talking Points. Up front, are the Sea Eagles missing a game-breaking middle? I think the answer very clearly to that is yes. That's why they tried to get Matthew Lodge across. They've got him, but now he's injured. Uh, they've also made the move of bringing Nathan Brown, former New South Wales Blues rep, uh, Parramatta Eel in his day as well. That was where he played his best football. But they've brought across Nathan Brown. Uh, so it's very clear that Seagulls, they're just looking for that game-breaking middle. Now you have Adenfanua Blake, who left the club a few seasons ago to go to the Warriors. And since then, you know, like it's, you're not going to get another Adenfanua Blake, but they haven't had that linchpin, that staple of their front row. Uh, Martin Tapaugon as well, 
Taniela Paseca can be that guy, and he played very well in season 2023. But I think he needs some help. I think they could do with a bit of a dynamic duo. Now, Matt Lodge can certainly play that role, but at what stage is he going to be fit through the season? Now, a fresh face who is a development player, so I don't think we'll see him in round one, but a fresh face that I think could make a massive difference in the middle, Itasi James. Now, if you haven't heard of him, he arrives from the West Tigers, and I rate him highly. I think at some stage, he will work his way into the 17. I really think he could be, you know, one on the opposite end of the cap, who they're paying close to minimum wage, who they could really get some value out of. So, Atasi James, let's see how he goes in the season. Uh, and look, we saw Adam Fanua Blake on the market, specifically for Sydney New South Wales clubs. Manly didn't make any move whatsoever, it would seem. So, as far as their salary cap, they've locked up a lot of crucial positions, but can they afford to go to the market? And as far as who's available on the market, is, is it there? Well, one thing Manly's track record has shown us, their next great front rower and game breaker, it could come from within. That's what they've been doing with all these other guys. So very interesting to see if Manly make any moves on the player market when it comes to shoring up that middle. Now, we also have the Isaac Moses effect, a player agent who, look, it's hard to know whether this chat about his influence is greatly exaggerated or whether it's true, uh, but he has a track record, Isaac Moses. He was heavily linked with my side, the Warriors, and he was just pulling bullshit. Like, when we were going to get rid of Stephen Kearney, I say we, like, I fucking was involved, uh, but when the Warriors were going to get rid of Stephen Kearney, which... I love Stephen Kearney, but it was the right call for sure. It had to happen. I know it was super rough, the timing of it. Uh, but when they were looking to get rid of Kearney, Isaac Moses said, if you get rid of Kearney, who is one of his clients, I'm taking all the players who are my clients, which was Adam Blair, Blake Green. I think there are a couple of others. Isaac Moses also, in the Broncos' darkest era, had 18 players in the Broncos' top 30. They were his clients. 18 out of 30. When the Broncos were at their lowest ebb, he had his greatest involvement. Something I just think is interesting. Now, we see something similar starting to brew at the Manly Seagulls. Uh, now, they have a very strong administrator in Tony Mestrov. He's not going to stand for any bullshit. So I, again, this could be greatly exaggerated, but the Isaac Moses effect. During that time, the Broncos' darkest period, where the roster was chock full of Isaac Moses' clients, the coach, also an Isaac Moses client, Anthony Seabold. Manly Seagulls coach, Anthony Seabold. His manager, Isaac Moses. And now we see a bit of a pattern starting to emerge. And the thing with some player managers, I mean, I'll take Braith and Asta out of the question, uh, but a lot of these guys are making decisions in self-interest. They have no interest uh, in making the club better. 
they do look out for their players most definitely. Like you can't dispute that. And a lot of guys have stuck loyal to Isaac Moses. So yeah, it, it, can't, it can't be all bad. Unfortunately, I'm just focusing on the negative here. Uh, but the pattern once again emerging where a player agent who most definitely isn't thinking about the club's best interests starting uh, to get a, quite a few players on the roster. Now, I had a look. Since Anthony Seabold, an Isaac Moses client, has arrived at Manly Seagulls, they've signed Aaron Woods. So all the guys they've signed, I'm about to mention, all Isaac Moses guys. They signed Aaron Woods, let go of two young players to do so. Aaron Woods, like I just mentioned, they're looking for a game-breaking middle. Is Aaron Woods going to be in the 17? Like, he looks like he'll be playing for Blacktown workers. And Aaron Woods has done a hell of a lot in the game. Like, I'm not trying to throw shade. But Aaron Woods, the first of these Isaac Moses signings, a bit curious. As was the Anthony Seabold one, to be honest. Then Cooper Johns. They brought him over from the Storm, Isaac Moses' client. Uh, but, to be the devil's advocate, if you will... Cooper Johns was a Manly Seagulls junior. He won under 20s, a uh, one and under 20s comp in Manly colours. Storm were releasing him, basically, and he would have cost nothing. So the Cooper Johns one is not too egregious, but I'm pretty sure they've either already released him or I, I can't, I don't think he's really in the picture now. Luke Brooks, the next one. So obviously a big splash made with that signing. Luke Brooks. Is an Isaac Moses guy, uh, but Luke Brooks needed a change. Why not Manly? So that again, not too egregious. Tommy Talau, another one. He's crossed over from the Tigers, like Brooksy, uh, Anthony Seabold, obviously, and Jackson Paolo. Is this Isaac Moses trend a cause for concern, or is it greatly exaggerated? I think, other than the Aaron Wood signing, none of these are that egregious. And like Brooks cost a little bit of money, but the rest, like, they're not going to be paying overs for them. So, yeah. But I thought it was definitely worth mentioning, regardless if it's blown out of proportion, the Isaac Moses effect, when he has had heavy involvement with certain clubs, it's been, it's been pretty grim. So, yeah. If the Manly Seagulls... I'm not going to even go ifs, actually... We're going to wait and see, but yeah, if they do start playing pretty poorly and some of these players don't make a splash, the Isaac Moses effect with Anthony Seabold. So yeah, fuck, we'll see. Speaking of Anthony Seabold, uh, the next thing we're going to look at are the coaches for the Sea Eagles upcoming season. Head coach, Anthony Seabold. Uh, now, it hasn't just been his time at the Broncos. He has put in the yards to get here. Uh, he obviously was a head coach at the Rabbitohs as well. Had a lot of involvement within the Melbourne Storm system. Uh, I also believe he had some involvement in the Queensland system. Could be wrong about that. Uh, but Seabold, the Broncos' job was a tough one. And so was the Manly Seagulls' job, but in very different ways. So for Seabold, we really don't know yet. Still, quite where he stands 
in the coaching ranks. He could surprise us all. Like that first season with the Rabbitohs, he really, he won coach of the year, didn't he? Now at Manly, he's starting to build a roster. Uh, He's brought a few guys over. They have to improve. Absolutely have to improve on 12th. I think he'll be under tons of pressure if they miss the eight. But if they go any lower than 12th, then it's a big concern. But I'm not a hater. So let's actually just give Anthony Seabold this second season in charge. And improvement has to be the goal. But the roster is so good that it's top eight minimum, in my opinion. So head coach Anthony Seabold, I've already mentioned him a few times. Uh, I wrote in my little question mark section, is Seabold the right man to lead Manly back to finals glory? So not just to lead Manly, but to actually lead them in an upward trajectory. The jury is out. We still don't know. And so he's got a bit of time. Redemption, if you will, with Anthony Seabold. Uh, Boom or bust in 2024. That's what I wrote. Manly must get fucking hell. Sorry. When I read off my notes, then I get a bit off track. He must get Manly fit and firing. So not just firing, but fit as well. Because the key thing that I've spoken about a lot already, you take a few guys out of this lineup, very different team and not in a positive light. So for Seabold, not only must he get the best out of his players on field, uh, but the first challenge is getting them on field and keeping them there. So massive year for Seabold. Head coaching is so stressful. Not that I've done it, but you can just see that it is so stressful. Man can't even fall asleep at McDonald's after catching up with some old friends over a drink without someone taking a picture of him sending it in. Like, it's a hard life and then it's an even harder 80 minutes week to week and then after that you got to go to a press conference even if you get flogged it's a tough life so for anthony seabold who i believe just from my own eyes has gone through the toughest head coaching role i've ever seen in his time at the broncos he's got a lot of challenges coming this year but fuck if anyone is going to have some experience to draw on and really make the most out of it, it's Anthony Seabold. So head coach, another talking point within itself. Uh, we also have Michael Ennis jumping on board. Uh, there's a few club legends around as well to lend a hand. Jeff Tuvey helping with the younger pathways. You've got Brett Stewart. I think Anthony Watmo might even be around as well now. A couple of other guys. Uh, but it's a credit to Anthony Seabold he seems to have learned from one of his mistakes at the Broncos, uh, which was seemingly excluding a lot of the former club legends. So I had a look at who was coaching uh, in their ranks, and yeah, there were a few guys like Brett Stewart, Jeff Tuvey, Anthony Watmo. So that is a great sign that this time around, Seabold, he's not coming in trying to change the Seagulls uh, into his side. He's still keeping in touch with the DNA. What has got this side to tick? Uh, and he's making his own adjustments as well as the head coach, the one making the overriding decisions. But I think it is such a benefit to have club legends around, especially successful club legends, which Manly Sea Eagles have plenty of. Uh, so again, credit to Anthony Seabold for this time around learning that lesson. Uh, Michael Ennis comes in. 
he will have a lot to offer, I think especially to a young guy like Gordon Chancom Tong. And Lachlan Croker is a workhorse, really developing nicely into one of their senior players. He could do with a sprinkle of that Michael Ennis magic though. I think Michael Ennis is going to have some really fresh ideas for a guy like Lachlan Croker. That's a great addition there. You've also got Jim Dimmick, very highly respected coach, been at plenty of clubs, a phenomenal player who was just a tick before my time uh, watching as a fan, but phenomenal player by all reports, and seemingly a phenomenal coach, even years ago, very briefly, took the interim role at the Bulldogs. I was involved with the Sharkies. He's here at Manly uh, with a lot to offer. I think he was also at fucking Gold Coast potentially, and he walked out. Don't quote me on that. Uh, he didn't walk out in a dog way, but some shit. I forgot. Uh, they also have Stephen Hales, who's their attack coach. I thought I'd mention him because Manly's attack, fucking awesome. As good as any teams in the competition when they are firing. So Stephen Hales, uh, I think he's earning his paycheck, whatever that may be. Uh, in red pen, ooh, ominous. Miss top eight, massive Seabold pressure. I've touched on that a few times. That's not the way I would have it when a guy's only two years into this job. But the media, they are constantly moving. They're constantly looking for someone. I'm not exactly sure why. I think the main thing that usually gets said media aside is that it's just easier to get rid of the coach than to get rid of, you know, multiple guys in your top 30 with the salary cap and things like that. But yeah, they don't give you a lot of time before the knives come out. So for Anthony Seabold, to alleviate that pressure, top eight. I still think even if they were to finish outside of the top eight, as long as they don't finish dead last, I still think a third year would be warranted. Like, we fucking shit can these coaches so quickly. So quickly. So, but it's the way it is. So Seabold making the top eight in red pen because it's serious shit. Uh, and I'll tell you why as well. Interestingly, given Anthony Seabold's ties to this man, Wayne Bennett. After this upcoming season, Wayne Bennett is going to be a free agent. Now, whether he would want to go back to Sydney and whether he would do that with Manly, like a lot of speculation and nothing concrete at all. But I think for a lot of clubs uh, where their coach isn't sorted, like um, there's quite a few clubs now where they have, they've established who their coaches are. Now we're getting a lot of new ones coming in this year because they were heaps fired last year. Uh, but Wayne Bennett, I think the fact he's coming off contract, any side that is struggling, any team who are playing below standard, there's going to be talk about the coach for sure. When Wayne Bennett is available, you have to think about it. You have to, at the very least, think about it. Now, what is most interesting, though, would Manly go there looking at past history and just how ugly things got with the Seabold-Bennett situation at the Broncos, the way the Broncos shit-canned Bennett? Obviously, Bennett and the Broncos are much stronger union than Seabold and the Manly Seagulls. But the way it was handled, it divided the playing roster. Seabold, well, we know what happened with him at Brisbane. Wayne Bennett just casually 
uh, goes to South Sydney and fucking gets them in unbelievable form, uh, which Seabold had done as well. But that could be a talking point. If Seagulls finish below 12th and Wayne Bennett is on the market, do you at least have that conversation? Every coach struggling, that's going to be something hanging over their head. Uh, lastly, what challenges do the coaches face? Plenty. Uh, but main one, which I've already touched on, they need, 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 need to get this team fit and firing. Up next, Manly's One to Watch. Uh, this is a series I've done for the last two, now three seasons, uh, where I've named one young player from each club to keep an eye on this season. Some of them you may have never heard of. A few are like obvious ones, but they're fucking ones to watch for a reason. And some of them are obvious picks for a reason as well, because they're in for a big season. Uh, now with Manly, my history of ones to watch in 2022, when I last did this podcast series, Tolu Cola was my one to watch. Not a bad call, that was a decent one. Go me, I guess, fucking hell. Uh, 2023, not so much, uh, unfortunately. I went with Jamie Humphreys, who is still in Manly's squad right now. So he's still around. He's a young half, uh, which is a position of focus right now for Manly. Uh, but Jamie Humphreys, not quite the one to watch call. I didn't pick it timing-wise. I'm pretty sure he got injured in the preseason. Uh, but Tolu Kola wasn't bad. Uh, but this one's obvious for 2024. Gordon Chan, come. Tong, for sure. The dummy half, uh, obviously he's going to have to bide his time behind Lachlan Croker, uh, but he is already a cult figure. Only two games into his career. Uh, we first saw him emerge in the preseason challenge where he was killing it. Uh, and with Lachlan Croker starting, I still think they could be able to fit Gordon Chan Kam Tong into their game day 17. Could be a great 14 option, uh, and either he plays through the middle as like a ball-playing lock, or maybe Lachlan Croker plays that role, which I think could be a bit of a master stroke. Master stroke. There you go. Uh, two appearances in his debut season. Gordon scored a try, also nailed a conversion. Uh, only two games into his career. I think he plays way more than two games in 2024. I uh, said, so look, I'm not discovering any gems here. I don't think I'm really breaking any news that Gordon Chan Kum Tong is one to watch. I think avid rugby league fans know that just from what we've already seen. And Manly right now could do with a bit of that. And Gordon uh, Chan Kum Tong, long name, great name, fucking awesome name. He has exactly what Manly needs right now. Uh, and as a cult figure, you know, he gets the crowd up and about and he can bloody play. From all reports, uh, he hasn't just worked his way into the team because he's popular. He's worked his way into the squad and then subsequently the team through working his backside off. Uh, so I think he's still going to remain as hungry as ever, getting a taste, two games of first grade, uh, but he is still going to be yearning to be regularly playing in the NRL. So it's a massive season for him. Uh, why is Chan Kum Tong my one to watch? 
I like a lot of the attributes that he brings, other than just being a great personality for the game. He's got clean service from dummy half, a decent running game when required. Uh, he's a willing defender, which is definitely what you need to be as a dummy half in the NRL. And I believe, given that I've made the call, one to watch, played two games last season, my call is that he features in over 10. So the over under for 10, I'm going to say he plays over 10 games. I think Gordon Chan come Tong. This can be his breakout season. Uh, now, Lachlan Croker has become a senior player at the club, so I don't think he's going to displace Croker in the nine jersey, but they have to find a way to get Gordon KT fucking... Gordon CKT. I'm getting lost in the names. It, it is such an epic name, and he is such an epic player. Uh, so he's my one to watch out for the season 2024. Over 10 games, I believe if he can stay fit. Seems to be a theme of staying fit, not that he's had any injuries, but Manly just need as many guys as possible to stay fit, and they have a premiership caliber team. Gordon Chan Kum Tong, he is the one to watch. Now, shifting gears to the gains and losses for Manly in 2024. I'll start with the losses, you have the Finu brothers, Latu Finu, Samuela Finu, off to West Tigers. That's interesting because they seem to be kind of key guys to their long-term future. Uh, but I guess, in fairness, look, they're different people. They're not Manasi Finu, but uh, Manly had made an investment in Manasi Finu in the past, and they kind of got burnt by that. Uh, but that's a huge get for the Tigers. Latu Finu, fucking hell. I, I thought Seagulls could have definitely kept him around. And same with Samuela. He is such a threat on the edge. Can play through the middle as well. Uh, but those are the first of the gains and losses. They're going to go over to the Tigers. Really get a shot over there. Uh, you've got two players off to the Parramatta Eels. Morgan Harper and Kalma Tuilungi. Sean Kepi off to South Sydney. And K.O. Weeks. Uh, he's off to Canberra as their first choice six. So with Luke Brooks heading to Manly, uh, Raiders, who Manly released Kyo Weeks. I wasn't sure about that. It looks like Kyo's going to head to the Raiders and be the first choice 5-8. Uh, so that's an interesting one. Gaines, Luke Brooks, uh, who I've spoken about a bit already. Massive for his career. This finally gives him a platform to reach his potential. And the potential the media slapped on him, like the next Andrew Johns, fuck, it's a lot for a young kid. But the young kid has now become a man, and this may be the perfect timing, given all the experiences he has now learnt under a lot of different coaches, most notably and recently, uh, Benji Marshall, who knows a thing or two about being a 5'8". Luke Brooks could be primed now to really level up alongside a lot of the guys in this team. So as far as that signing, uh, I think it's perfect for them. Now, depending on the money, you know, that's probably the question, but Luke Brooks, really quality player, really quality player. And I think the Tigers have struggled, so it's hard for Luke Brooks, or it's been hard for him, uh, to be able to show what he can actually offer. At Manly, there will be no excuses. 
he will definitely have a team around him, where now Brooksy, as a running 5'8", like everything that suits his game, now it's on him to deliver. And I definitely think he can. Uh, so he'll add a, lot, add a lot to Manly. Good signing. Uh, they've made three Tigers signings as well, Manly. Uh, a couple of them through Isaac Moses, but weird, isn't it, to look at the Tigers and go like, yep, let's, let's pinch some Tigers, guys. But in fairness, you know, if you look at a struggling club, there are great players at even the shittest of clubs. Tigers now as well making moves, so. But weird of Manly. They're just looking at the Tigers right now. Uh, anyway, these are some other guys they picked up. Bailey Hodgson, a uh, former one to watch, which again, uh, didn't end up being the correct call at the time. Uh, now, Bailey Hodgson related to Josh. I think he's his nephew or something. Young fullback, can play center as well. Uh, look, I've followed him quite closely or his career, given that he was one of my former ones to watch. But yeah, now I'm not sure whether we'll see him in first grade. So watch this space. Itasi James, front rower, underrated signing. I wrote down there. Uh, Jackson Paolo. I actually like this signing a lot. Wing cover for Jason Saab. And I still think Paolo has his best football in front of him. Then you have Tommy Talao, a very promising player. Been around for a hot minute, but struggled with injuries. I think like Luke Brooks, now's probably the best time for a freshen up and a change in club for Tommy Talao. And he'll be pushing Brad Parker and Tolu Kola for that starting center position. Corey Waddell returns to the club as well from the Bulldogs. Uh, Bulldogs had been struggling last few years, but Corey Waddell, uh, I actually thought gave a pretty good account of himself and will have something to offer here. Uh, I think probably on the bench, Corey Waddell will be featuring in the 17 quite regularly. Uh, overall thoughts on the movements. Uh, look, they did lose some guys, but there was nothing, like obviously the Finu brothers is, is a big one, but there was nothing... Like, they didn't lose Cherry Evans or Tom Trebojevic or anything like that. And they gained Luke Brooks, which could end up being the signing of the year if everything works out. I signed a couple of other guys on what wouldn't be huge contracts. Uh, and look, it helps strengthen the roster because when you pay Cherry Evans and all these other guys uh, a decent wage, you want to find guys who can play footy but are not going to break the bank. Guys like Jackson Paolo, Itasi James, Tommy Talao, Corey Waddell fit that description. So I don't mind the movements. And again, hindsight, a beautiful thing. Uh, just quickly having a look now at the team for Manly's season ahead. The spine. One, six, seven, and nine. That is the spine. Uh, obviously, very important players in their own individual right. Uh, but other than Luke Brooks who's the new man on the block. You've got guys who've played a fair bit of footy together now. Cherry Evans, Tom Trebojevic, unbelievable synchronization that they have with their combination. Uh, Lachlan Croker has played tons of footy with both those guys. Uh, so there's cohesion there. And Luke Brooks, I believe, is going to do nothing but complement uh, the rest of the spine. You've got Tom Trebojevic, the X-Factor player, superstar fullback, are obviously manly, 100% better when he's on the park. Luke Brooks, uh, what I think works for him really well is that the pressure has lifted 
obviously still going to be a lot of pressure, uh, but the pressure of being that number seven and being that main man uh, from being a young junior all the way through at the Tigers, that pressure is off his shoulders uh, because of a guy like Daly Cherry Evans, who Manly would not trade for another half in the world. He's a premiership caliber half. He's a representative caliber half. He's done it all, but he wants that second premiership. He wants that second premiership. I think the ambition is going to be there big time in this coming season. And then, of course, Lachlan Croker rounding out the spine from a guy uh, who suffered a lot of injuries, came over from the Canberra Raiders. Now he is a staple of this side, uh, and he is consistent. He's always out there, uh, has suffered very few injuries since becoming a real permanent fixture in this side. Lachlan Croker. Very underrated and important figure in Manly's season ahead. Manly's best 17. I guess now would be a good time to reveal to you my secret. I'm actually psychic and I know exactly what the 17 is going to be. Not really though. Uh, this is basically just an educated guess, right? So I've just put together the team mainly to just try and give a picture or I guess if it's a painting, give the full painting. Because I've spoken a little, lot about the little parts of it, all the moving pieces, but this is the 17 roughly as a whole, which I've spoken so much about the importance getting this side fit and firing. Quite specifically, it's close to this lineup uh, with obviously a few changes as Seabold sees fit. Coach Anthony Seabold, uh, key positions sorted. I just mentioned the spine. Tom Trebojevic at fullback. I don't think there's any question around that. I think that's a lock. Our backups, Tolu Kola, Ruben Garrick, which I've mentioned. Jason Saab, haven't really spoken about on this podcast. He is priming himself for a massive season. Pure speed. Now he has really added some bulk to his frame to go along with that speed. Uh, and he's starting to become... A very complete player. Now Jason Saab was a junior representative player for New South Wales and he has those ambitions to get to the Origin Arena uh, as a senior player. So for Jason Saab that tells me coming out and chatting like that tells me he is ready for a massive season and when you look at Manley's right edge who I have spoken a bit about Jason Saab on the end of that G flame and whiz. Uh, now back up to him, I've got Jackson Paolo. You've also got Christian Tuipilotu, who's now uh, becoming a regular member of the side. And Ray Viger, who has some ticker. Uh, but I think Jackson Paolo could very well be the one to come in if Saab is unavailable. Then you have Tolu Kola at right center. Uh, I think first and foremost, they should get him focusing on that position uh, because what he showed at the back end of last year tells us that like Ole Kowatu, like Trebojevic, like Cherry Evans, here is another guy who is manly through and through, never worn another club's colours, who is a superstar. Uh, so I think he's primed for a career best season, as is Jason Saab outside of him. Backup centre, Tommy Talao, who I think we'll see a bit of throughout the year. Brad Parker, I've got him at left centre. At the moment, uh, he's been the left centre for the last number of years. Much loved member of the squad. 
and as far as his playing abilities, he does not let anyone down. As a Warriors fan, I remember his debut for Manly. Debuted on the wing opposite Manu Vatuvai, and he played really well, and honestly has done nothing but play uh, very consistently since. So he is another Manly junior who's come through. Uh, Manly can't accuse him of trying to buy a premiership. On the wing, Ruben Garrick, another elite talent. Is the wing his best position? Do they try and move him into the centres? That will be interesting. Uh, but if he plays left wing, that is where he's played his best footy for Manly. Uh, kicks goals, obviously. And yeah, I think Ruben Garrick, another one that they would love to have out there for every game. But what's good for Manly is they have so many guys. So if a couple go down, they still have a pretty strong squad. My throat nearly gave out on me there. When you look at all these players as a back five, like this has been their first choice back five for a little while now. So combinations, not as much of an issue. Back five, boom, bam. Like they've got that sorted. Fuck, my throat is struggling now, but we're pretty close to the end. Luke Brooks, he just keeps coming up, but I've got him at 5'8", obviously. Uh, when Daily Cherry Evans is out through the origin period, I wonder if we see Brooksy play 7. Who's the third choice half? This, to me, is where it gets really interesting. If there's no Luke Brooks or Cherry Evans, do we see Schuster in the halves? Do we see Jamie Humphreys? finally get that call up or do they go with Jake Arthur who honestly could be the most likely of the lot there's been a little bit of talk of moving Jake into the back row but they don't exactly have a situation where they're flush with halves options so Jake Arthur I think very well could be that third option uh, now front row Taniela Paseca I think this is a season of significance for Taniella to really stamp his mark and be that guy for the Manly Seagulls. Lachlan Croker, uh, he's a leader within the club now. Toff Sipley. Now, if Jake Trebojevic starts at 13, which I'm interested about because obviously we're seeing a big change in the way the 13 plays the game, and Jake Trebojevic more of just an elite world-class front rower, does Jake start in the front row? I've put him in the 13 just because I couldn't fucking... There was no one that stood out to me. Uh, so that'll be Seabold's choice. Uh, but Toff Sipley, he is epic. Former warrior as well, but... Yeah, I think he is one. Amongst all these guys getting paid a mozza, you need guys who can deliver uh, on the smaller bucks. And that's exactly what Toff Sipley does. In the back row, Josh Schuster. Massive season for him. I think Corey Waddell will be the backup. But you also have guys like Ethan Bullimore, Ben Trebojevic, who'll be pushing for that role. Hamale Olakawatu, I think now is a lock in that right edge back row position. So that's the starting 13 uh, that my psychic ability has drawn up. Uh, bench options. Options on the bench. Uh, these are a number of guys who I think will be in the frame. Ben Trebojevic, Corey Waddell. Itasi James, Ethan Bullimore, Josh Alloyer, uh, Gordon Chankum Tong, I think you've got to get him in there, uh, and Dean Matteson, who we saw uh, toward the second half of last season. 
So as far as the bench, when I look at the bench options, uh, realistically, that is the light end of their salary cap because they've tied up a lot of guys and really important ones within their first 13, which honestly is a pretty sound investment and a pretty good move. Uh, but like I said, the squad has to suffer in some area, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to the bench players, uh, but it's not exactly an all-star cast. I don't want to say cast because that's more... Like, that more sounds like I'm shit-talking the players. It's just not like an all-star bench, which now a few teams in the competition are starting to put together. So there's got to be a light end of the salary cap, but the guys that they have in that first starting 13 are so unbelievably talented that now with these bench guys, they come in, pressure's off their shoulders. They are the ones who are doing the hard work on minimum wage. So if they come in and play well, hell yeah, like that is exactly what Manly are trying to build, where they have these superstars. But with the superstars to be successful, you need the cheapies to be of great value. And I think that's what Sea Eagles are building here. Uh, overall, that's my thoughts on the best 17. I think they've set it up nicely. Really strong top squad. Depth could be their issue. We are drawing very close to the final assessment. Uh, pretty much gone through most of what we need to. Uh, getting to the last couple of things now. Manly's full squad for 2024. Uh, this is not going to be in-depth. I pretty much mentioned everyone. Uh, but there will be a couple who come up that I haven't mentioned. There's also the development players who will be available throughout the season. And train and trial, which I've been doing some deep diving I love train and trial. I love the concept of it. Uh, so I'll also tell you who will be vying for the one available spot in the Sea Eagles top 30. Uh, they've brought over Nathan Brown, who's one of their train and trialists. I think he is most likely to take that 30th spot. But that's what's beautiful about preseason and trials. Uh, it's up to him to earn that. Okay, so top 30 roster. Ben Trebojevic, Ben Condon. Who will be looking to level up? Brad Parker, Christian Tuipolotu, Clayton Fualalo. This guy's dope. I think pretty sure he was in the New South Wales Cup team of the year. Can play fullback, can play on the wing. Was a standout at reserve grade level for the Sea Eagles. Uh, and I think just quietly, you know, if injury does strike, Clayton, if he keeps up what he is doing at cup level, I think he'll get his NRL debut for sure. Uh, Corey Waddell, he is back. Woohoo! Daily Cherry Evans, Daily Captain Evans, Ethan Bullimore, the one to watch. Gordon Chan, come, Tong. Haumole Olikawatu, Jake Arthur, two first names. Jake Trebojevic, another Jake there, and a very, very essential one. Jamie Humphreys, my former one to watch. Is he one to watch this year? We shall see. Jason Saab, I definitely think he's one to watch. Jackson Paolo, Josh Alloyer, the pastor, uh, pastor, sorry, not the, not the dish, now I'm hungry, Josh Schuster, Carl Lawton, question mark, will he be there, uh, he might not, he might go to Super League, Lachlan Croker, Luke Brooks, huge, huge movement there, uh, Matthew Lodge, Raymond Viger, 
Ruben Garrick, Taniel Paseca, the Man Mountain, Tom Trebojevic, X-Factor player, Toph Sipley, what a mouthful, <laughs> top 30, uh, Tolu Kola, Tommy Talau, Zach Fulton, hasn't gotten a mention yet, uh, obviously Fulton ties to the club forever, but they were saying that they were going to move him on, there was talk he was going to get moved on, so we'll see what kind of season Zach Fulton has, uh, and then 30, open spot, and I wrote Nathan Brown, question mark. Development players, uh, Itasi James, I think he'll be able to work his way into the 17. Bailey Hodgson, a former one to watch. Dean Matteson, and Lihi Hopawate, another Hopawate, uh, and another one at the Seagulls too. We've seen a few. I'm excited. Hopawate is genuinely fun to watch, especially uh, John. 2024 train and trial players, Nathan Brown, Austin Dias, uh, who did play a bit of NRL for the West Tigers, came over to Manly last year, uh, still grinding, essentially. Cameron Brown, uh, he's a youngster, featured in the trials for them last year, centre winger, Charlie Thompson, James Uolesi. I did mention earlier, you know, about Manly being short of a game-breaking middle, but also how so many of their game-breakers or all of them, have come from within the Manly system. Could the game-breaking middle be James Uolesi? I've watched a bit of him and he has some talent. And that's an interesting point that Manly, all their stars, they have brought through. They haven't purchased any of them. The next target is a game-breaking front rower. That is what James Uolesi has shown in the junior grades, uh, so we'll keep an eye out. And then you've got Zane Dunford. Uh, that rounds out the full squad. On to the draw snapshot. Uh, and for Manly, well, holy dooly. I, I don't know why that's going to become a fucking catchphrase if I say that too many more times. Uh, they are opening their season against the Rabbitohs in Las Vegas. Hell yeah. Well, talk about Vegas on a different podcast because I've got a lot to say. But... Manly get to open their season in Vegas. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. It'll be epic. They will have a fun time. Although, I did hear a story from a really, really good source, like a 100% legit source, that during Magic Round, there was like a very lighthearted just incident. I don't want to say too much. It was really not a drama. Essentially, before Magic Round, the Manly boys were getting a feed and which was fine but then apparently they weren't supposed to have chips and this is all allegedly but then they had chips and allegedly Anthony Seabold was not pleased this is all hearsay or this isn't all hearsay but I wasn't there to confirm so this is all alleged but Anthony Seabold was not impressed that they were eating chips the night before a game uh, and then they went out the next night in Magic Round and got smacked by the Broncos. So the chips thing stuck with me. It's Those are the kind of silly things that stick with me without even knowing whether it's true. But, sorry, <clears throat> I just need to clear my throat. Uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I just, the chips thing comes to mind because I'm like, shit, if, if the chips... Trust factor has been broken. Like, if that rattled Seabold, and if the boys knew they weren't supposed to have chips but had chips anyway, 
Vegas is going to be a different beast. But again, this is all alleged. And yeah, I thought I would say it because when I first started being like, oh, there was like, you know, my, my source. Then I was like, ah, oh, fuck, it sounds like there was something super controversial. Nothing super controversial. Um, but the chips factor has stuck with me. And I'm like, I think about it constantly. I'm like, is Seabold strict with it? Is this like an all-season thing, or was this just magic round? And the rest of the feed was pretty substantial, so it's weird that Chips allegedly was where the line was drawn. But I wasn't there. I trust my source, and my source wasn't telling me as a source, trying to give me information, like, he just had ties to the Chips. He was tied to the chips side of things. So, um, yeah, that's kind of just silliness, isn't it? But they start their season in Vegas. So, yeah, chips. Uh, Roosters then at Four Pines Park. But, yeah, obviously the most significant Las Vegas. Uh, then they play Roosters at Four Pines, Parramatta Eels, Dragons in Wollongong, Panthers at Four Pines, Warriors in Auckland. So they're traveling around a little bit to start the season. Las Vegas, Four Pines Park, their home ground, Wollongong, uh, Auckland. There are a lot of different, I don't know, maybe they will loosen the chips rules because you could, I mean, Las Vegas, be good to have some of the food there. Auckland, Wollongong. Anyway, uh, there's a Suncorp back-to-back double in there. Uh, I don't want to go back to the chips, but magic round, that just instantly brings me back there. I wonder if they'll address it. Uh, Firstly, they play the Dolphins, so they will be in Brisbane. I assume they'll set up camp there for the two weeks. Dolphins first, then Broncos at Magic Round. Yeah, interested. Watch this space. Maybe that's a bit of a tip to chuck five bucks on the Dolphins and Broncos 13+, plus, because, yeah, chips factor. Uh, They've got a timely buy in round 22. So if they are charging towards the finals, that's a great time to freshen up. And as far as the run home, if Seagulls, like I've said, all things going well, uh, I think they could push for the top four. If they're in a position to do so, they have a nice run home. Uh, They'll play Canberra Raiders in Canberra, coming off the bye. Uh, That's a tough fixture always, but Raiders not at their strongest point right now, despite being a top eight side in the last couple of seasons. Then they play the Warriors at Brookvale. Uh, I'm a Warriors fan, but that will be a tough game for us Warriors. So another winnable one for Manly. They play the Tigers at Leichhardt. Uh, What will the 2024 Tigers be? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Then Bulldogs at Homebush, Sharks at Four Pines. So yeah, Manly, it's up to them to still be right in the fight when it comes to that round 22 bye. Uh, Fox Sports, the lab, draw difficulty. Uh, they've ranked Sea Eagles as having the eighth, un- uh, quotation marks, easiest. Nothing's easy in the NRL. Uh, but Fox Sports reckon Sea Eagles have the eighth easiest draw in the NRL. So those numbers would suggest some favorable fixtures. And I think, look, Fox Sports lab is not something to live and bloody die for. It was done by the fucking staff writers, so... You can't trust it too much, but if it's the eighth quote-unquote easiest draw, well then, realistically, Manly should be somewhere in that top eight. 
And if they're not, that is where the trouble could begin. Uh, so the final assessment, it's time to wrap things up. Going into this 2024 season, so many things could go right. And if it all clicks, it is premiership level. That's why I've made such a big deal about it. But if three or four things start going a bit sideways, like, it's just so rogue. They are the hardest team to work out because they could be a premiership winner, but they could also miss out altogether and badly. Uh, so final assessment, point of difference. Uh, right edge, as I've gone back to, Daly Cherry Evans, Helmoli Olikawatu, you've got Tom Trebojevic sweeping, Tolu Kola with the natural speed, and of course, Jason Saab, primed for a career best year. So I think the point of difference, definitely going to be that right edge. If you can keep them together, really get them in form, that's where the bread is buttered. Like There's so much to love about this manly side. There's just also so many situations that could derail them. Uh, the key, this one has been the common theme of today's podcast. The key, keep your star players on the park. Of course. I don't need to speak too much more on that. Uh, Tom Trebojevic, obviously the main talking point when it comes to keeping your stars uh, on the park. But, you know, if they were to lose Cherry Evans and he gets injured for a substantial period, that also uh, would really present the Seagulls with some major challenges. Uh, they've got the Helmole investment, so now with that investment, he needs to stay on the park. To his credit, he has. Uh, Helmole, not a guy uh, who's missed much time since debuting. So that investment, a sound one, but again, if he was to get injured or suspended, it's a big investment, and without him, your back row instantly weakened. Josh Schuster, his fitness and form, uh, that comes back to the key of keeping these players not just on the park, but fit and firing. Uh, a large portion of this responsibility is on the Sea Eagles as a club and Seabold as a coach to really get Josh Schuster going. But of course, when you talk about accountability, the main accountability lays with Josh Schuster. So let's see uh, how he comes out and plays. Luke Brooks, keeping him on the park, getting the best out of him. And for Taniela Paseca, for these coaches to get Paseca to unleash the beast, the key, keep these stars fit and firing. My biggest concern with Manly is their depth. Uh, I think you'd be able to tell that by now. Uh, which players, though, are going to be able to step up and fill a hole? Because I'm constantly getting proven wrong. There are plenty of guys where I'm not paying too much attention to them, uh, that are kind of fringe guys, that then come out, and all of a sudden when they get called upon, it's like, holy shit, where's this guy been this whole time? Uh, so for Manly... I definitely think they're going to have a few diamonds in the rough. Guys who aren't household names, but come in and give genuine bang for buck. And they'll need that. Because again, even if you keep your stars out on the park, but then the fringes and the guys on the lower end of the cap aren't playing in top form, it's still going to be really hard to compete, given that it's not just the top eight right now. There are 13 or 14 teams that are genuine finals material so it's going to be very competitive manly will need as many things to go their way as possible and for this reason 
I've gone 13th place to finish. Maybe it was the chips factor. Um, but yeah, this is one where I instantly think like, fuck. Like, Trebojevic, if he's out there, they aren't finishing 13th. They could win the Premiership. And then I'd look like a real egg for this call. But I've gone 13th. Why? Just because there's so many different elements they need to go right to win the Premiership. And I just, I'm still not sure about Anthony Seabold. If Tom Trebojevic misses more time, I think it hurts them immensely. They need him out there. That, of course, is the key. Uh, if he's out there, like I said, they are finishing way higher than 13th. There's just so many moving parts, though, and so many things that could go wrong. They can't afford to lose Jake Trebojevic. Uh, they really can't afford to lose any of the main men in their forward pack. Depth, still with question marks around it. Seabold, still unproven in the top job, although, again, could prove me very wrong in the season to come. But when it came to the latter prediction, which has been bloody hard, there were just a lot of the scenarios around this team that could work out perfectly and would lead them to be a premiership caliber team. But for me, there's just too many things that the team is now reliant on. And I think if one or two don't go to plan, all of a sudden, uh, it just it's much more of an uphill battle. But at their best, premiership potential. So as a fan of the game, saying they're 13th, I hope they're, I'm wrong about that. Because Manly in full flight with Tom Trebojevic and all these guys in peak form, just as a rugby league fan, it is a thing of beauty to watch. So the optimist says in me that Sea Eagles are going to be a force this year. Uh, but fuck, I found it so hard to pick my top eight. I still haven't fully confirmed it. And up until this point right now, I hadn't confirmed exactly where I had Manly. Um, and one thing I found interesting is at the end of these podcasts, I kind of have a different idea about it once I've spoken. And a lot of the things I've said about Seagulls today has been very positive. Uh, so there's a lot to like, but fuck it. Uh, I'm going to go 13th position and we'll see if they kill it this year. Well, I'll own up. You can, I'll fucking cop it. At Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. If Manly kill it, you can comment on any of my posts and be like, you're a dickhead. And I'll, I will acknowledge it. But like I said at the start, uh, these podcasts mostly about the preview aspect. Very little focus on the prediction. Because the beauty of this, the beauty of rugby league and sport in general, is that we truly don't know. And if we did, what would be exciting? about that. Uh, so now, after saying Seagulls will be 13th, I've got a bit of a vested interest. If they come out and kill it, I'll be like, okay, fuck. They could very well be on here. So at full tilt, this side is a force. But yeah, I've already said it, so we'll lock it in. It's the end of the podcast. Manly Seagulls, my pick on the predicted ladder, 13th place. I feel unsure about that, but we are... Well, it's locked in. It's locked in. And that's it. We're locked in for this podcast. It's now time for me to focus on the next one. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate your support as always. The next one up in this series, kind of like Manly, uh, where, gee, at their best, they could win the premiership, but there is still 
a little bit of inconsistency in them that could see them miss out on finals altogether. That being the North Queensland Cowboys. Plenty to talk about on that podcast. Uh, Now that 2024 has begun, I'm going to clue you in as to the rugby league content for the year. Uh, There are going to be two podcasts a week once the season starts, uh, which I've been doing the last couple of years. It'll be a preview. We'll chat all things rugby league in the lead up to the round. Uh, And then, of course, the return of the weekend wrap, where I'll be talking all about what happened over the weekend, games and such. I think it's all pretty self-explanatory. So it'll be the two pods a week, but in the preseason, I'm going to be continually releasing these club-by-club previews, and I will make sure the Penrith one, which will be the very last, I will be out before the season starts. So up next, I'm literally going to start recording it now, the Cowboys Season Preview Podcast. Uh, And as I said at the start, if you enjoyed today's pod, you can follow us over on Instagram, at NotJustASportsReport, or if you want to keep up to date as these club-by-club previews drop, you can follow us on your preferred streaming platform. You'll be able to see as soon as the Cowboys pod is out, or if I haven't done your club already, you'll be able to see as soon as your club's preview is done. If the Seagulls are your club, well, fucking best of luck to you. I'm not a hater. I don't live and die by my predictions. And there's a lot to be excited about. So hopefully, for you Manly fans, all goes well. Uh, But until next time, have a bloody ripper. Thank you for listening. And happy Flaming New Year.